Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat the Designer. Bear Down Bears fans, welcome in to another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. A very, very special edition. Not because we got J-Mac on the show. Shout out to J-Mac, though. My guy. No, I'm just playing J-Mac. What's going on, man? We got J-Mac in the building. But we're also being joined by former Chicago Bears running back and one of the one of, one of the dopest actors that we see in coming out right now, Thomas, got to include the Q Jones, <laughs> former Chicago Bears running back. T. Jones, what's good with you, man? Man, I'm good. Good morning, brothers. Thank you for having me on. Uh, anytime J-Mac calls, I answer. That's my brother for life. Bear down. So happy to be here. Hey, I'm man, it's always here. a pleasure to have you here, man. Yeah, 100%. It's always good to see you, man. I know you're busy doing a lot of great things. You know, I always keep up, keep up with you. Uh, one of your biggest fans. And, you know, everybody, you know, they see T. Jones as an actor. But let's talk about T. Jones, a football player. He's a member of the 10,000-yard club. Yes. He was a pro bowler, former seventh overall pick. You know, uh, UVA Hall of Fame, UVA running back legend. So uh, my first question, T. Jones, is I always like to kick things off on how it started in you're not seeing it firsthand, the work ethic and the time that you put in as a football player. Uh, where did that work ethic come from and that love of the game? Well, man, first of all, I appreciate uh, the kind words. And, and um, like I said, anytime, man, I'm able to connect with you and go down memory lane, you know, to our bad days, it's it's, it's always fun and um, a, good, a good vibe. So, um, yeah, but I'm from Virginia, you know, super small town, coal mining town, um, you know, I grew up around a lot of hard workers, you know, my parents, my family, friends, um, you know, that's just, you know, where I'm from. It's just in my blood, you know, hard work and dedication. So um, that's where everything started at home, you know, um, and I was just able to take those those principles, you know, um, um, you know, being hardworking, mentally tough, disciplined. You know, I was just able to take all those characteristics um, with me, you know, through my journey, um, you know, through, through college football and the NFL and even now as an actor. So um, I'm the same Thomas Jones that I was when I was, you know, a kid back in Big Stone Gap, Virginia. I'm just older with, 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 gray, with gray hair now. So but I'm the same person, man. You know, I'm always be a dedicated person that that is passionate about what I'm giving my time and energy to. You're making the gray look good out here, brother. First off, I'm not gonna lie to you. I gotta give credit. Everybody can't pull off the gray. You have you have gone into your gray perfectly out here. I hope to look like you someday. Uh, I gotta get in the gym a lot more. No, but real talk. If who was the person, and and this is always the interesting thing because I feel like every person has this person in their life. Who was the person that you looked at and you were like, if they can do that for me every day, if they can do that for me in my life, then I can do this 110%. Who's the person that kind of instilled that work ethic, that, that mindset in you? Uh, I think it was a combination of my, of my, my mother and my father. You know, they were mm. both coal miners in Virginia. My mother worked uh, in the coal mines for, for 19 years. Mm. Um, and my father worked in the coal mines for a year and he was laid off. Um, but he did a bunch of different odd jobs. But in, in regards to um, an example that I had, it was, it was those two. Uh, you know, they raised seven kids, you know, in, um, you know, an environment that was not uh, 
um, you know, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the poverty, but you know, it wasn't um, Beverly Hills either. You know, um, yeah. so you know, we had to uh, you know work for everything that we had, earn everything that we that we that we had, and we had to appreciate everything that we we um, we, we worked for. Um, so watching those two, you know, raise me and my siblings, um, you know, make do sometimes when, you know, there wasn't enough, but we found a way to make it enough. Um, it just, you know, fueled me to continue to push and push, um, and want to, want to follow their lead. Yeah, T. Jones, you know, you told me this story before, but I want the Bears fans out here to hear it, you know, talking about your parents and, uh, you know, I know it was an example of like. I know T. Jones may have ran for 200 yards on a Friday night, but before you picked up that sports section in the newspaper, uh, what did your dad make you do or what did your parents make you do before you got to read that sports section? So, uh, you know, part of growing up in in my area of Virginia, um, you know, um, it's very, very small. um, And a lot of people don't make it out of there. Um, And I want to say make it out. I don't say, say it in a negative way. I'm saying a lot of people don't have the opportunities to, um, pursue their dreams outside of that area. It's such a confined, small area. So a lot of people don't have big dreams. Um, but in order to be able to, um, you know, succeed outside of our area, which is very small, you know, being a smart, educated, cultured person um, is key. And so a lot of times on Friday nights in high school, I would have a, a really good game. And Saturday morning, I'd want to read the newspaper to see the sports section, uh, to see my stats, the other running back stats, who, what other teams won. Uh, but you know, my dad would, would actually take the sports section out of the paper. Um, and he would have me and my brother and my sisters read the front page of the paper. Um, just so we understood what was going on in the world first, uh, and made sports secondary. And so, um, although I've been a passionate football player and an avid sports fan my whole life, including now, um, I've always been more interested in what's going on outside of sports. Um, that's making the world go round. Um, and also being, you know, a good person and, uh, you know, a citizen that's contributing to, uh, to society. It's there's that moment in, I think, every athlete's life where they have the I got it or I don't. Right. I had I had my I don't have it moment. Right. Somebody threw me a 79 mile an hour curveball that broke nine inches. And I said, well, I don't think I'm going to the majors, boys. It's going to be tough. I better figure something else out. What was that moment for you? Was it was it high school? Was it? Uh, before that, because I mean, y- your high school numbers are ridiculous out here as well. If if, if y'all want to see some somebody who embodies I am him, check out T Jones High School stats as well. But what was that moment for you? I think that moment for me was my junior year in high school. Uh, I had always been kind of um, um, I-, I wouldn't say a phenom but you know from the time I was 11 12 years old you know actually earlier than that eight years old when I first started playing football I just had these instincts um that I I don't know where it came from I just knew I had vision I was quick you know I knew how to make people miss even a pop warner um and so there was there were expectations of me to you know go on and be um you know a really good football player um and I think until my junior season I had shown flashes of what people expected from me as a kid, but um, my junior season, I had a game in the middle of the season where I ended up rushing for over 400 yards. Uh, and I think that was the game that really opened my eyes and said, wow, you can do this at this level. Um, and you have something 
uh, special that if you can tap into that and continue to, to, to nurture it and work hard, um, you might be able to, to be something special one day. So um, it was my junior year, um, a game where I rushed for, I think, 462 yards. Um, it's pretty pretty incredible game. That opened my eyes and showed me what I possibly could do. Hey, hold up, Jay Mack. I'm gonna let you ask your question, but 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 what's the coach's game plan on this? Give it to T. Jones. That's that was your game plan the whole game. I, it turned into that, you know. It was just one of those games, you know. Um, I'd had some pretty good games before that, but um, nothing like that where um, I was just in a zone. Our offensive line was doing an incredible job, uh, and I just I don't know. Um, it was just one of those magical nights, you know. Sometimes we have as athletes where. Um, you just get in a zone, and it's like you're you're not even. It's like an out of body experience, man. You know, it makes you know you look up, and you know you've got 275 yards at halftime, and then next, you know in the game you got almost 500 yards rushing. So, um, yeah, it was a game that um, really pushed me um, because now that was the expectation every week was to yep. rush for 400 yards, and so um, it just raised the bar for me as a high school player. Uh, and then I carried that same mindset throughout the rest of my career. Yeah, T. Jones, you, we talk about the numbers. We obviously know you as the running back, but I think what a lot of people didn't get to see on a daily basis, like I did, was the type of leader, um, the type of the type of work ethic that you showed, you know, in the facility, you know, on a day in a day out basis. And you know, me and Pat and a lot of people around Chicagoland, we talk about if the Bears want to have success, they got to build that team chemistry within the right. locker room. And we know we had a lot of good team chemistry, a lot of good guys in the locker room, a lot of great players. Um, talk about how the team chemistry we had, you know, back in 06 really helped propel us to be a great team and make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it, I think um, the teams that win are the teams that have a nice mixture of, of, of veteran players who uh, realize that their time is almost over in the league and a, a mixture of, of young players with youthful energy, um, you know, that could keep the older veteran players on their toes. And then a nice nucleus of, of players that are coming into their own um, fourth, fourth year, fifth year players. And I think um, in 05 and 06, those years in Chicago, when we won the NFC North and uh, NFC uh, championship, you know, that was what that was. And we also had, uh, coaching staff that allowed us to to be ourselves. Uh, you know, we had a really, a really, um, it wasn't really a team. It was a brotherhood, you know, um, offense, defense, special teams. We were just in tune and um, we really genuinely cared about each other. I hadn't felt that way since, since high school. Um, you know, it felt like I was playing high school football again. It was just in the NFL. You know, I mean, these are guys that, you know, you go to, to dinner with every Thursday night. Um, you know, we, we, we hung out at the facility, we hung out outside of the facility. Um, we just, and so when we were in the games, that was my brother. You know, it wasn't my teammate. It wasn't my coworker. I've had teams where certain guys are just my coworkers. I mean, I don't really have anything in common with them. We don't have any chemistry. You know, once I see you at work after I leave, I don't want to see you again until next week. Some of you, I don't want to see you again ever. You know what I'm <laughs> depending on what the relationship is, you know, but with that team, it was just J-Mac was my little brother, you know, uh, uh, Adrian Peterson was my little brother. J.D. Reynolds was my little brother. You know, um, these are guys that kept me on my toes. I was a veteran. They were younger. Uh, they would make fun of me and make fun of my, my outfits and my clothes. And, 
you know, uh, and, they, and then I would have to, you know, I wouldn't, sometimes I wouldn't be in the mood. I'm like, man, eight in the morning and y'all, y'all, I go into, I walk in the room, AP and J Mac are, they're already laughing. They've already been talking about me before I even came in there. But, but they forced me to, um, to, you know, uh, have this youthful energy, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and it made it fun. It made work fun. And, um, that's how we became brothers, you know? So, um, those teams were very special. Two of the most special seasons I've ever had in football, 05 and 06. Um, and I will never forget anybody on those teams um, and, and our camaraderie. It's it's so funny whenever I hear y'all talk. I, I swear, Jay Macden brought Tommy Harris on. I mean, we got Briggs <laughs> on the pod. Whenever I hear y'all talk, my favorite thing is just getting the story that epitomizes y'all relationship. What's the one story that you remember walking in the room and you were like, but this boy J Mac crazy dog. Like, what are we talking about right now? I don't and dude, listen, man. It was every day was so much fun that there just wasn't one day, you know, um, you know, the thing is we would have fun, but you know, we were very serious, you know, yeah. about winning and, um, you know, the veteran players, you know, we set the bar high for the younger players. And so although, you know, we would have our moments uh, in meetings, once the light was off and the film was on, it was serious. Uh, we were very, very serious about uh, winning. We understood, oh, I think we I think we all collectively understood the opportunity, unique opportunity that we had to be able to play for the Chicago Bears and be in a city like Chicago that loves the team, supports the team. My first year there in 04, we were 5 and 11. Um, obviously that wasn't a good year, but we were still getting love. I mean, that's the first time that I felt like, wow, um, even if we lose, they still love me. Yeah. Um, and so that motivated me more for the next year, 05, to say, hey, we have to win. And in 06, we have to win, you know? And, and, and so um, I don't think there's one moment I can pinpoint because there were just so many. Um, but I do appreciate the fact that we could have so much fun and then snap of a finger um it's game time yeah t jones we're talking about you know the running back position and the way it's viewed in the nfl right now and you look at you know running backs who are up for new contracts who didn't get new contracts saquon barkley tony pollard or just to name a few uh, what are your thoughts on the way the nfl is devaluing the running back position today uh it's 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 wild to see, I never, you know, growing up uh, as a running back and, and a fan of the NFL and NFL running backs, legendary running backs and college running backs. Um, I never thought I would see this day where running backs are basically uh, being, you know, um, devalued. Um, you know, uh, it's hard for me a lot of times now to watch football. You know, I, I watch it on Twitter. I see highlights on Twitter and um, and stuff like that. But, you know, the game is still going to be the game. You know, obviously you have the statistics and you have, you know, I see the stats sometimes on, on, on ESPN, you know, this percentage of the time they throw this and this percentage of the time he's had this many targets and this many, and it's like, you know, I don't come from that world. You know, um, I understand it because that's the world we live in now, you know, technology and numbers and, um, but, you know, when I played and we played, you know, um, there were so many more elements to the game, um, particularly with the running back position. Usually the running back um, is the heart of the offense. 
most of the time back in those days, you know, he could go to every single team and there was a feature back that was getting 25, 30 carries a game, um, playing hurt, blocking, catching the ball in the backfield, um, you know, understanding the pass protections, when he needs to help the guard, when he needs to help the tackle. Um, you know, there's just so much value that running backs bring to the game. Um, and to see the guys that are putting all this work in and putting these numbers up not get paid, um, it's disheartening, man. It's a very, very tough position, and it's a lot of work, and it takes a lot of heart, courage um, to go out there as a running back and play a 16, now 17-game season um, and put up 1,000 yards, 1,200, 1,300, 1,400 yards. You're eating up the clock. You're helping manage the game. You're wearing down the defense. I mean, there's a lot of factors that people aren't taking into consideration with the running back position. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough to see, man. I, I, I feel bad for these younger backs because I know how hard they work and, um, you know what they deserve. Do you feel like there is a difference in how these running backs are attacking playing the game? Because I feel like when you guys were playing, when you, when you were running the football, right, you literally did everything. Adrian Peterson did everything. I feel like every team, like you said, had a feature back that had to go out there and block, had to pass catch, had to be, of course, the, the running back, three down back. I feel like now we see a lot more of what does he do? Well, he's fast. Uh, what does he do? He's a, he's specifically just a blocker in the backfield. What does he do? You know, um, but your feature backs, of course, your Derrick Henrys and guys like that still do what a lot of you guys did. Do you feel like maybe how some of these running backs are attacking the game and just focusing on being good at one singular thing has caused a regression in how teams look at them? Because we don't talk about Derrick Henry struggling to get paid or Christian McCaffrey or, you know, those guys. I mean, I, I don't I don't think that guys are just um, focusing on being good at one thing. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's true. Um, I think teams use guys for specific things. Um, and then also certain backs have their thing that they do well and thing that they don't do as well as another back. Um, that's always been in the game. Um, you know, that's, that doesn't, that hasn't changed. You know, you've had, you know, running back by committee, for years, you know, yep. um, even with a, an Adrian Peterson, you had, I think, Chester Taylor. Uh, you play with it, you know, so he may come in on third down. Um, when I was in New York, uh, you know, I might get 25 carries, but Leon Washington may, may come in on third down. Um, he may come in on, um, you know, special plays, you know. Um, you, you know, it's, it's being able to, the offensive coordinator, find ways to utilize the talents of the running backs. That's what's missing. Um you know, mm-hmm. you have talented players. They're football players. They can block. They can run. They can catch. Um, um, but if offensive coordinators aren't making an effort to figure out how to utilize all of them, mm-hmm. and utilize their talents, then it's going to seem like they're they have no value. Uh, and that's just not the case. Typically, most teams that win the Super Bowl um, have some sort of running running game presence. Um, I don't think that's ever going to change because football is always going to be blocking, tackling. Yeah. And you know, catching the ball. So quick, so quick follow up. Then, do you feel like when you played, your coaches adjusted their game plan based on how you aged in the game more so, and we're not seeing that from coaches? Um, what do you mean aged by the game? 
Mm-hmm. So like, you know, as you as you got older while you were playing and different things like that now, right, the number is 28. That's the stat that always comes out. After 28, you start to see running backs fall off and different things like that. But do you feel like coaches were like, okay, like, you know, maybe you're getting a little older. We're going to adjust mm-hmm. the game plan based on the age that you are now, and you're still going to be very effective because of that, and we're not seeing that as much anymore? I think definitely age plays a factor in, in all positions, you know, for the most part, you know, um, especially running back, because there is a lot of wear and tear. Uh, receivers typically aren't getting hit as much. Quarterbacks, especially nowadays, aren't getting hit as much. Um, that wasn't the case for me because I was kind of uh, an anomaly. I, I, I actually became better with age. My best mm-hmm. seasons were at 30, 31. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but I, I know that's not typical, but um, – when I was in, in New York, um, you know, there was a three back system that we had and it was it was me, Sean Green and Leon Washington. Um, and, you know, um, Brian Schottenheimer did a really good job of of uh, getting us carries, getting our hands on the ball. Um, and we were all able, we were all able to contribute heavily to us, you know, making it to the AFC championship game in Chicago. Uh, you know, we had me and, and, um, and Cedric Benson, rest in peace. And, um, you know, we ha- we ended up carving out a nice system uh, for us to be able to um, have a ground game, um, wear defenses down, uh, keep the defense off the field. Um, I mean, that's those are all parts of running the ball and the running game and the running game presence. Um, you know, it's not just um, a back getting older or um, you know a back only being good at one thing. It, it's it's a system that you have to create with the running game uh, that will allow you. Uh, to keep the defense off the field, um, run the clock down, manage the game. Um, you know, there's a lot of positives to the running game, and that will never change. I don't care how many, um, you know, quarterbacks are throwing for over 4,000 yards. I don't, I don't care how many, you know, statisticians are online and giving all these numbers and, and fantasy football. It's still going to be football. It's still yeah. going to be football, and the running game is always going to be a huge part of the game. Yeah, T. Jones, we got a young backfielder here in Chicago right now. Khalil Herbert may have his opportunity to, to start for the first time. Uh, Deontay Foreman, uh, coming from the Carolina Panthers, had a big year when given an opportunity last year. And the Bears just drafted a rookie out of Texas in the fourth round named Rashawn Johnson. Uh, you've been a mentor to a lot of young running backs. What advice can you give uh, this young Bears running back room? Um, I would say to get in your playbook in your playbook um you know being a rookie being a younger first second year player typically um you know you're gonna there's a lot to learn uh you've got to adjust to the the schedule first you know you're not in college anymore now you know this is your job you know um and also um you know you're you're the radars you're on the radar bullseyes on your back um, there's only a couple people in your position. There's only 32 teams. Um, so there's no distractions from your progress or your lack of progress, uh, especially if you're in a major city like Chicago, uh, where they love football, they talk football, um, they have a certain expectation of their team. Um, so the best thing that they can do as young backs is to get in their playbook, understand the plays, understand the blocking schemes, understand the protections, um, understand the pass routes. Uh, the more you know, the more comfortable you'll be once you get out in the field. Um, and that's, that's, that's what I, that's, that's, that's uh, advice that I give to any 
new player in general, but especially running backs, because there's so much you have to learn. I've talked about this with Lance, and uh, I feel like there are certain positions here in Chicago that always get right the 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 love the adulation because of what Chicago's history is Lance with the run, with the linebacker position you play in the running back position you were talked about as a bears great running back what is the pressure like when you're going out there and you know that Walter Payton has been before you and what is the it, do you feel that pressure do you feel the 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 weight of being a running back for the Chicago Bears yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's high risk, high reward. Uh, you know, Walter Payton is the greatest running back to ever play the game. And um, those are some huge uh, shoes to fill. Huge. So um, the expectations are um, there's not Walter Payton. And, you know, we don't want it for the most part, you know, or Walter Payton like Walter yeah. Payton-esque. And that doesn't mean necessarily yards. That means heart, toughness, um, durability um, and production. Um, and so Walter Payton was a running back that I looked up to that I idolized as a kid. And, um, so I understood the opportunity, uh, when I signed with Chicago, um, I understood the pressure that was there, but I was willing to step up to the plate and work at least as hard as I could and do the best that I could to make Bears fans proud. And also Walter Payton proud because that's someone that I looked up to. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of pressure there, um, but it's the NFL, it's pressure everywhere. It's what you signed up for. It's what you get paid for. You get paid to be in the spotlight. You get paid to produce. You get paid to be talked about positively, negatively. Um, that's the NFL. That's why it's so big. That's why you get so much attention. So um, it's up to you as a player to prepare uh, for that pressure um, and and to step up to the plate, especially at the running back position in Chicago. Yeah, T. Jones, I want to switch, switch roles a little bit, get off the gridiron and talk about what you're doing now. You talked about the spotlight, something that you're still in. Uh, when I see you now, I know T. Jones, the running back, but now I see you now and I'm looking at, you know, T. Jones and Luke Cage is Comanche. So I see Comanche. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, J-Mac. Thomas Q. Jones. You got to say I'm, that right, brother. Don't disrespect Q. Don't disrespect the Q. <laughs> but I see Thomas Q. Jones. I see Comanche right now. Uh, you know, I see you in straight out of Compton. You know, one of my favorite shows. I'm hoping it comes back. P-Valley. You know what I'm saying? So, Talk about, you know, we talk about your passion with the game of football. Talk about where did that passion come from in terms of acting and how did you get into that? Man, I fell into it. I retired in 2012. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And um, I was introduced to uh, a project uh, that I took a small role in in in, uh, producer credit. And um, the next thing I know, I'm moving to LA and I'm like, wow, this is something cool. It's challenging. It's new. I never uh, saw myself being an actor, but this is something that I could definitely uh, see myself doing. And um, so I moved to LA in 2014 and um, just got on the grind, you know, started auditioning, uh, found a manager um, and then just started to hustle, you know, made my own relationships and, Next thing you know, I'm in this project, that project. You know, I was in class for four years, which was the first thing I actually did was enroll in class. So I was in three different actor studios for four years. Uh, just so when I could get the opportunity to act, I knew what I was doing. A lot of people don't understand that. People say, hey, can you put me on? I'm like, well, if I give you these lines, you know, are you going to be able to perform or are you going to make a fool out of yourself? Because there's only one or two things that are going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, so now um, after almost 10 years, 
of being in the business and, and being a producer and, and creating my own shows and um, running my own shows as a showrunner and a lead actor on my own show. Um, it's It's been the best possible transition for me. It's helped me evolve as a person. Um, you know how I was when I played in the NFL, you know, I had a different mindset because um, to play as long as we played and to have as much success as we, we had, you have to give everything, your heart, uh, mind, body, soul, everything to the NFL into the game. Um, and sometimes that can play tricks on your mind. It can make you um, a certain type of person. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, because I played football in my mind all day, everything was football. Um, I wasn't able to evolve as a person. You know what I'm saying? I was stuck in this passionate, violent world of the NFL and winning the Super Bowl and, you know, comp competing. And, um, and in real life, you know, that, you can't do that, you know. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't compete over a parking spot. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, it's, uh, you know, what I mean? but, you know, okay, you can't. Uh, yeah, it's my spot. I'm telling you, know, I'm tackling. I'm gonna tackle you. I'm gonna tackle you. <laughs> yeah, they got laws against that, dog. You can't yeah, do that. You, you can't do that. But how? So how do you turn that off? You know, and acting helped me um, understand. Hey, you know, if you want to be successful in this business, um, there's different protocols. There's a different way that you have to move. And so, you know, that in turn, um, practicing that helped me evolve and grow as a person and, uh, and also being around new people, you know, uh, different perspectives, different backgrounds. You know, typically when you're in the NFL locker room, a lot of us, you know, even if we come from different backgrounds, we all have the same violence and the same mindset on that field. You know, when you put the helmet on, um, it's about your respect, um, you know. And so, um, yeah, it's been an incredible transition. Super happy with with the projects I've been able to work on, and blessed uh, to continue to uh, to have more projects come about. When you think about some of the challenges you faced in the NFL, and now challenges that come up in the acting world, are there any similarities? Where you like, man, like, man, oh, this is just like when I was with the Chiefs, bro. I know how to navigate this. We good. Like, have you seen any of that? And and where the worlds kind of come together, and and you know what you're doing already because of football. Yeah, I think football gave me a leg up um, because I'm, I'm I'm in front of the camera, win or lose, you know, um, you have to talk to the media. So, um, you know, you're on the spot at all times, you know, um, uh, you're performing in football. Uh, you know, you walk in the stadium and, you know, you, you Thomas Jones and you know, when you walk, when you walk in, in, in onto the field, I'm Thomas Jones number 20. Um, people pay tickets to see that guy. You know, they didn't, they didn't pay to see the laid back person I am in real life. They paid to see this passionate, um, um, energetic, you know, running back with heart. That's who they, that's who they want to see. Um, you know, you, you have to become a gladiator in, in so many ways. And, um, you know, I, I'm just excited. Like I said, that I was able to find, um, something like acting in Hollywood that is similar in a lot of ways in regards to the structure of it. Um, because those skills, the skills that I had as a football player, those skills were easily transferable uh, to acting. Knowing your playbook is the same as knowing your script. Um, you know, I'm a hard worker and, and I'm mentally tough. So um, I was on five different teams. So each team I went to, I had to restart and, you know, build up my confidence again, you know, to be successful there. It's the same thing in Hollywood. You get told no all the time on auditions. Um, you go on 20 auditions and get told no. So how do you, at what point do you just quit? 
or do you keep going because that next audition is going to be the one and then bam it is you know um so there's a lot of similarities um which which have made the uh the transition a little more seamless for me because i played football at jones let's talk about you know you've produced a lot of the films that you've been in you've actually produced and starred in some of your films and you know i coach football and i think you know tell the bears fans how like i look at it is that similar to coaching football producing your film like you're managing and directing and orchestrating the storyline like how does that how is that similar to coaching football you've been around around a lot of great coaches like how are those two similar i mean they're very similar uh you know i'm in charge of my own destiny and and that's kind of how i saw it in football um the harder i work the more prepared i am the better uh opportunity i have to be successful um and you know when you're producing your own projects you're responsible for the creative side. You're responsible for the business side. Uh, you can't blame anybody else but yourself. Uh, as a coach, you're responsible for your team. You're responsible for your players. You know, you're responsible for whether or not they know what to do, know where to be, where, whether they're prepared to play, um, whether you have the right guys in the game or the wrong guys in the game. That's at the end of the game. As a coach, you have to look yourself in the mirror and and, and take the blame. Uh, also, on the flip side, you know, when you win, um, then you get uh, the respect. Um, that you do for the work that you put in. Um, it's the same thing with with a, with a project you're producing. People think it sucks. You gotta you gotta take that L. You know um, you gotta take it and you gotta learn from it and see what you could have done better. But you know when people love your project and you get the the praise and um, the reward for the hard work you did. It's so interesting. I don't know if you've noticed this, probably have, but uh, I noticed the similarities in your career where, again, you get drafted early on, you're splitting time, dealt with a little bit of injury, and you weren't that lead back yet. So I, I ain't gonna lie to you, I forgot you was behind Michael Pittman Sr. Like, I, I, I just forgot how massive of a man he was when I looked up that picture. I just had to put that out there too. But your acting career, very similar, right? You start this thing off, you're large man. You're right. uh, you're you're abusive man. You are NFL player. You are right. Prada man. What was that role that was similar to the Chicago Bears? 04 to 06. You go to the Super Bowl. All of that. What was that role for you? Where first off, you got a name, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're taken off from there. Man, it's crazy that you said that. You know, I didn't think I I, I remember large man. For straight out of Compton, that was the character's name. I didn't even have a name, so when I started, I didn't. Even, they didn't give my character's names. They were just, "Hey, you're this man. Um, you know, you're a man on the show. That's all you are." But I didn't look at it like that. I looked at it as I have a purpose, and my yeah. character uh, is here, and this is an opportunity. Even if it's one line, two lines, three lines, if it's no lines, um, somebody's always watching, just like in the NFL. Uh, you know, um, a lot of rookies that come in during training camp, a lot of guys don't know that they won't make a team. Um, but anytime I would talk to a rookie, I would always say to them, hey, listen, somebody's always watching. Somebody's always watching. They're watching in practice. They're watching in preseason games. Go make the plays. Be prepared. Don't think about whether you're going to make the team or not. Play the play. Because somebody's watching that play. Um, because And because I had that mindset, I understood that someone was always watching. It might not be that I have that many lines that they like, but maybe it may be I have a certain look for a character they're thinking about, or maybe there's a way I delivered one my one line or my three lines. Yeah. Um, and that's what happened. 
a lot of uh, people saw some of my smaller performances and I didn't have to have a name for the character because my presence spoke enough for me to get me other opportunities. Um, so it is similar. Um, the NFL, and that's why I was saying earlier, the NFL and my journey through the NFL um, has given me the confidence and, and also the, the, um, the mindset of, uh, to believe um, that things will work out if you are just prepared for whatever that opportunity is. Yeah, let me ask you this, T. Jones. Do you get the same adrenaline rush like as, you know, we're running out the tunnel at Soldier Field, getting ready for a game, juices is flowing, you know, ready to go to battle. And when you're on set and they say lights, camera, action, like do you still get that rush when you're in an acting role? Yeah, you do. You still get that uh, the little butterflies and, and uh, you know, and it's, it's dope. You know, it lets you know you're alive. You know, it lets you know that, uh, you know, there's, 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 still something to be excited about um you know sometimes when you know you play in the nfl or you do something for so long um it's hard to find something else that you're just as passionate about to where you get those same feelings um but it is it's not the same nothing will be the same as running out on soldier field nothing will be the same as that but on a on a micro level um the stakes are high there's expectations for you to memorize your lines, deliver your lines, perform the character. Um, and then, you know, once it's out to the public, then, hey, uh, you know, it's up for their judgment, you know, whether they like you or not, because they don't have to like you. They don't have to like your performance. They don't have to like any anything. So um, there's a lot of similarities there. And I think that's why um, I've been able to stick with it for so long, because it's the closest thing psychologically um, that I feel I could do to connect me to football. I, I love it. I love the connection, man. How much How much do you still get to watch with your career now in acting? How much do you still get to tune into the Bears on a Sunday or tune in, just just sit down and enjoy a football game on a Sunday? Uh, you know, I don't really I don't really watch football. For, for a while, once I retired, I mean, um, I had to really uh, disconnect from football. Uh, I, I didn't watch any games. I didn't go to any games. Actually, the first game, the first NFL game that I went to um, after I retired in 2012 was um, an alumni weekend game in Chicago. And they had the old 506 teams there. And um, they let me lead the team out uh, <laughs> where we got introduced. Um and I just got excited, you know. There's a, I think there was footage of us, and I was like, I was just like, wow, you know, everything just, the, all the feeling, everything just came right back. Like the last time I was there was the NFC Championship game, and then I didn't want to leave Chicago, so it, it felt like, man, for that one second, you know, I was back. Yeah. Um, and I went to a game last year, a Jets game, uh, for the first time since since I left New York in 2009. Um, so I try to stay away from it as much because I, I genuinely love football and the game of football and, um, and I can't help but go back to that mindset when I'm around the game, when I'm around football. Um, it's hard for me to watch it now as just a fan. Yeah. Um, and I have nephews that play. So, um, you know, my brother Julius, you know, he played uh, for a while in the NFL as well. And, um, so, you know, I kind of watch him and, and how he is with his sons and, um, he's got the same energy and they have the same energy that we had. Uh, so it's very contagious. 
so I don't really watch it too much, but you know, we have Twitter, so I'm able to keep up with all the Bears fans on Twitter and and uh, see all the highlights and stuff like that. So I'm still connected to it in that way, but it's hard for me to really fully uh, indulge in it because um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll go backwards. That's so interesting. It's almost like the the ex the ex girlfriend feeling, kind of like the 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 one you loved, right? But you can't do it as well that sounds crazy wow pat that's that's wild you you can't be a part of it anymore right um is it is it kind of that feeling yeah it's like uh, you know you 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 can't i only played i played football from the time i started playing football to the time i stopped um football was like life or death for me it wasn't just the game it was so much tied into my life you know just um you know, it was it was your validation um, because all I focused on was football and um, and the other running backs that I was competing against and other teams that I was competing. So it was a my world was full of nothing but competition and earning respect. And um, that was it. That was my day to day. You know, um, when it was off season, I'm immediately training again, getting ready for the next season. Um, so, so my entire year for, I mean, between college and, and the NFL, four years of college, 12 years in the NFL, 16 years, I mean, you know, that was, you know, that was my life. Yeah. It was always competing to be better, to have more yards, to have more wins, to win the Super Bowl. Um, there was always something to compete for. And um, you had to have a certain type of mindset to compete at the highest level. Um, so, yeah, um, it's different to go back and watch a game and um, and not get that adrenaline rush and, and want to have that same energy. And I know myself and I know that it as hard as it was for me to turn that off yeah. when I retired, I don't want to go back there because, you know, and get back into the game. And, 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 I, and, and I know a lot of players, maybe they don't have that experience. Um, but that's how I played the game, and that's the only way that I know the game. I don't know it as a fun sport. I I I'd see it as life or death. Mm. Yeah, and, and and the thing too, I'm I'm gonna comment on that further too. Like what what people don't see and what people didn't get an opportunity to see is, I mean, I seen it firsthand. T. Jones, I seen him play with wrist brace, you know, a, a padded uh, a pad, you know, blocking his ribs and ankle sprain. He's going out there and still rush for over 100 yards, you know, carrying the ball 20 plus times a game, like that warrior mentality that he had and you see how that's translated with him after retirement to to go into acting and be successful in acting like you said to 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 go out there and compete for 20 roles and be told no and to have that drive motivation that competitive edge to keep going to persevere and you see what he's done and and with that being said i want to ask you what two-part question what has been your favorite role and what's next for Thomas Q. Jones yes. in the acting? Respect to Q. Respect to Q. It's like John Q. <laughs> I'm going to change my phone contact now. Put the <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite role would probably have to be um, as crazy as there's a, there's a SAG strike now for the actors. Yeah. And um, so uh, technically we're not supposed to promote um, projects um that we're working on and so okay. i'm trying to stay within that stag 
yeah. guideline. You know, I don't want somebody from SAG seeing this interview. Yeah. You know, I get an yeah, email. Hey, you're kicked out of set. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. but 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 my favorite role would have to be on my show Johnson. Um, um, I, I'm playing a father that's going through um, marital issues, uh, child custody issues. Um, and so I'm getting an opportunity to, to portray, um, you know, a man that is a family man that's, that's fighting for his family. Um, very, very personal role for me. Um, I feel like I'm representing a lot of men um, that may not have a particular voice based off of um, the perspective that's typically shown, uh, you know, particularly for black men. Um, and so it's a very powerful role. I get a lot of really positive feedback from men and women alike uh, about the character and, and what he's fighting for. So that's that's probably my favorite role. Um, I have multiple projects coming up. Um, you know, I don't want to get into the, the, the names of them, but I have multiple projects coming up um, that me and my producing partner, Daisy LeRae, incredible writer, uh, producer, actor as well. Um, we're producing multiple projects at the same time. So... Yeah, I have a lot of really cool projects that are going right now. I have a docu-series um, talking about football. Uh, it's called Life After. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, it's a it's an it's an eight part series that that follows the lives of twelve former NFL players um, and some of their struggles once they retired. Um, there's a lot of really really great players on there with great stories. Very intimate docu-series, lifestyle series. Uh, Demarcus Ware is on there. Spice Adams, my boy Spice. Hey. Um, uh, Myron Rowe. Um, um, I mean, there's some really, really good good guys on there. Justin Forsett. Uh, with some very interesting stories that I think you all would really, really like. You can connect to these guys. It's just a very honest, grounded docu-series. It's called Life After on Amazon Prime. Make sure to tune in with that, everybody. I mean, listen, this this is this has been a fire interview. This has been a great time to have this kind of conversation with Thomas Jones, man. Last thing before we let you get out of here, you mentioned the strike. You mentioned everything is going on. If you can't answer, that's 100 percent fine, because I never let me be the person to get somebody kicked out of anything. <laughs> but when you see everything that's going on, we've seen a couple of actors speak out about it where's your stance on it? Are you, are you like, come on guys, like, let's just get this resolved. Let's make this happen. Like we need to start to respect these writers and different things like that more than they've been respected. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's corporate America, um, which is, you know, been the same since corporate America began, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, if, if they can get you to do work for less than what you deserve, they will. Um, just because they know, they have the leverage for the most part until we all come together and realize that we actually have the leverage. Yeah. And that's what's happening now with the strike. Uh, you know, writers, some incredibly talented writers that write some of the most funny jokes, most dramatic films that you've seen that entertain you on a daily basis. Um, you know, they're not getting paid what they what what they're owed. Um, and also with SAG, you know, the actors, um, they're also not getting paid. Um, and then you have this whole, you know, AI situation where, you know, they're trying to um take advantage of AI and which would create, you know, a world where they wouldn't have to, where they, where they would have to pay even less. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is a pretty major uh, situation with the, with the writers guild and the, and the, and, the, uh, and SAG um, fighting for, um, you know, wages and, and just asking for fair treatment and fair pay um, just like any other union, you know, that's there, you know, SAG has done a great job in the writers guild 
for protecting us as creatives. And um, yeah, we're gonna, you know, fight tooth and nail, see if we can get something done. Well, T. Jones, man, we appreciate your time, man. Always, you know, enjoy seeing you, talking to you, man. You know, I'm your biggest fan. I watch everything that comes out. You know, I'm excited to see what's next for T. Jones. And hey, man, like we talked about yesterday on the phone, you come back to the shot. Get your little bro up, man, and uh, oh, yeah. get right back to it. <laughs> yeah. Is there a Jason McKee role coming in a movie out here, dog? We need him in a TV show, a movie, something. Now, don't get him started, Pat. Now, here comes I got, I got something for Jay, man. Hey, I need I, I need Coach McKee just, just slamming a clipboard. <laughs> Son of a... <laughs> don't do that, Pat. You're going to have him joking. I got something for you, Jay, man. I got, I got something for you. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about it in person when I come to Chicago the next month or so. I got hey, man. You had AP. Yeah, I need to see it. He better start joking off me, man. I need to see it. Hey, man. Follow us on everything at Chicago Bears Podcast, ESPN Chicago. Of course, appreciate Thomas Jones for his time. Thomas Q. Jones, I disrespected the Q. That's on me. Thomas oh, Q. Jones oh, yeah. for his time. As always, it's your boy, Pat, the designer for Thomas Q. Jones and J Mac. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bear Don. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Bear Peace. down. J Mac, love you, brother. Love you, bro. Pat. Thank you all. Love Appreciate you, bro. You, Best wishes, man. My brother.